magic word free and then just search WNRI. Same thing if you have Google or Alexa, just say Alexa, please search WNRI and there I am. Here I am. We're all here together right here in crystal clear audio. That's all you have to do is just say Alexa, search WNRI and the next thing you know, folks, here I am with you. It is I, it is Juan. Weekdays from 11 to 2. And AM 1380. Or listen live at DePetro.com. You know, there were atheists that object every time I play that beautiful song. This portion of the John DePietro off is brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Remember, if you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, boom, and call West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340. It's Kenny, it's Patricia. They're the best. They will repair your vehicle. You know, it's very uh, upsetting if you find yourself in an accident. However, West Fountain Auto Body can certainly help you out. They will repair your vehicle, get it back on the road. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Folks, if you have uh, Facebook, find my Facebook page. It's Sean DePietro Show. We do a Facebook Live. Good morning, Christine. There's uh, Lawrence. I bet Ramundo raised a new budget, 12 but Yeah, I mean, they were spending last night. We're going to play some of that. How about Pelosi this morning? Good morning. There's my friend Frank and Pat Cordelesser and a lot more. Well, folks, um, a lot to get to. Now, obviously, last night, um, debate last night, as I said, in Iowa, real snooze fest, really boring, really boring. Uh, no one jumped out. And, and the biggest news of the night really has to do with the fact with Elizabeth Warren refusing to shake the hand of Bernie Sanders. And right now on um, Twitter, never Warren is trending. So and the, the CNN anchor. Abby Phillips, moderator, excuse me, one of the moderators, completely dropped the ball. I, di- I didn't understand that at the time. I understand it less now. She was not listening. She already had her question lined up. I don't know what it is. But um, it was a horrible gaffe in the debate. And then also last night, and um, Governor Raimondo gave her state of the state. And it, it, it is just so pathetic, folks. I mean, it's beyond pathetic. Um, it, 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 it is just ridiculous that anyone that wants to argue that in any way Governor Mundo has been a success is is living in, in fantasy world. I can't even listen to her anymore. Um, it, it was just nonsense last night. More. Uh, I think we're going to talk to Blake Flippy, the minority, Republican minority leader coming up this morning at 1130. But I think, um, you know, last, last night as he spoke, he gave a um, reaction to the the state of the state. And w- one of the things that he brought about and talked about was the fact that Massachusetts right now, they have a $1 billion surplus, $1 billion surface surplus, excuse me. And then right next door, uh, you have a state that is struggling with a $200 million deficit. It starts with the person in that office and <coughs> full lines are open. 401-766-1380, uh, 1380-401-766-1380. You can email me, john at dipetro.com, john at dipetro.com. But I want to play. Uh, so it, it turns out I was wrong. But Nancy, um, David Cicilline, Congressman Cicilline, will not be one of the impeachment managers. He will not be one of the uh, people chosen to uh, bring forth the trial now against President Trump. And Nancy Pelosi is um, a lot of people are talking about when uh, she spoke and they were announcing exactly who are going to be the managers that that's going to be part of this whole thing um, that are going to try to go into it. And Cicilline was not chosen as one of the individuals. So I want to play some of the sound of her. I want to play some of the sound of last night. But Governor Raimondo, folks, and again, 401-766-1380, you know, how dare she say that she cares about education and she really doesn't care about the state. I mean, that's what people need to, I think a lot of you realize, other people are slow to come around on it. But one of the things that, um, that I can't stand to hear her when she talks about, you know, the kids deserve better and the kids deserve more and everything else. And if she really felt that way, then she wouldn't have signed the evergreen forever contract provision, which basically locks in 
all of these contracts where now you it's going to be very tough for any city or town to try to renegotiate. So if she really felt that way, Governor Mundo, she wouldn't have signed that into law. She wouldn't have signed that in. And the fact that um, that she did sign it, any time that she starts saying that she really kids and these kids deserve better and so forth, I, I, I think it I think it it just rings hollow. So the House impeachment managers are Adam Schiff, Gerald Nadler, Wadler, Zonat Lofgren, Hakeem Jeffries, Val Demings, Jason Crow, and Sylvia Sylvia Garcia. I thought Cicilline was going to be chosen. He was not chosen. I don't think this thing is going to go anywhere anyway. Uh, but we'll play you some of the sound of um, this is a little bit of uh, Pelosi um, speaking about. ATM machine to grant or withhold funds granted by Congress in order to advance his personal and political advantage. That is what the senators should be looking into. This is a president who said the Second Amendment, excuse me, Article 2, says that I can do whatever I want. It does not. He's undermining a system, the beautiful, exquisite brilliant genius of the Constitution, the separation of powers, by granting to himself the powers of a monarch, which is exactly what Benjamin Franklin said we didn't have a republic if we can keep it. So this is a very serious matter, and we take it to heart in a really solemn way, in a very solemn way. It's about the Constitution. It's about the republic if we can keep it. And they shouldn't be frivolous with the Constitution of the United States, even though the President of the United States has. The President is not above the law. He will be held accountable. He has been held accountable. He has been impeached. He's been impeached forever. They can never erase that. that? I'm very proud of the managers that we have. I believe that they bring... Uh, to this case in the United States Senate, great patriotism, great respect for the Constitution of the United States, great comfort level in a courtroom, great commitment again to the Constitution. You know, this thing, um, again, that was Nancy Pelosi uh, last hour. And again, folks, good morning. Um, it's not going to go anywhere. It's it's not going to go anywhere. Um it's, it's going to be a waste. I think it's going to be boring. And I'm glad that at least you have some leadership in the Senate with Mitch McConnell who's not going to let it go anywhere. Now, I will talk about Raimondo last night. Um, it's tedious. She's checked out. Do you believe anything that she has to say? I don't believe anything she says. She is um, an egomaniac. This whole thing now, it is seeing her, Mattiello, and... Senate President Dominic Ruggiero up on that rostrum. Folks, the state is going to go nowhere with, uh, with you know, see no evil, hear no evil, uh, speak no I mean, the, the three of them. It's like the three stooges up there. There's no leadership at all. But especially Raimondo. I mean, she, to me, that was an embarrassment last night. The state of the state was an embarrassment. The state of the state under her has been a failure. And I repeat, I think the media gives her a free pass. Uh, They don't call her out on so many different things. You know, what has she done, Governor Gina Raimondo? Under her, the number of state workers is at an all-time high. Even though the rest of the landscape in private enterprise, companies are constantly downsizing, finding ways to be more efficient. But the free-for-all of hiring just continues. And the amount of abuses within state government... Number of state employees at an all-time high. Record deficits. The budget's going to be over $10 billion. She will be enacting taxes. There's no way to pay for any of this foolishness. Her whole plan, Governor Gina Raimondo, right, the big Rhodes Scholar, smartest woman in the room, had her uh, staff get her listed, Fortune magazine, right? Remember that? One of the most brilliant people in the world. And her entire, her entire administration and plan has come down to 
drugs, and gambling. And that's it. There's no other growth industry. She can talk all she wants about it. And the 195, it's not bustling. John Brasco was right. If it weren't for Trump, there'd be no jobs in Rhode Island. And she won't give the president any credit at all. Um, <laughs> thank you, Johnny Hockey. I, it's just something that I uh, play around with. I don't know about that. Uh, 766-1380, 766-1380. But last night, now, folks, if you are, in fact, a fan of the president and you want the momentum to keep going, and it has to, the division in the Democrat Party, th- this is not going to be resolved this will not be resolved because I don't believe former Vice President Joe Biden, who was not terrible last night, by the way, was not terrible. But I just don't think he is progressive enough to carry the ball across the finish line. I don't know how he's going to do in Iowa and New Hampshire. Now, it's good for him that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are warring right now. But I don't think he has enough in him and never mind what's going to happen during the impeachment because of his son. His son, Hunter. So Biden, I I don't think there's enough there to bring him across the finish line. As far as uh, former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg, keep in mind, I mean, Elizabeth Warren and especially Bernie Sanders, their entire campaign is built on that billionaires are evil. Billionaires steal. Billionaires are the enemy of the people. We need to take their money and blah, blah, blah. And it's greed and it's corruption. There's no way. That Bernie Sanders supporters, it's not in them. They're not going to support Mayor Mike Bloomberg if after Super Tuesday and as this thing goes into March and April, if he emerges as the candidate. They're never going to support him. And I don't think, you know, the Biden slash Bloomberg slash Raimondo type of Democrats, they're not going to support Bernie Sanders. This is a fractured Democrat party. But last night, there they were. And the way... I blame Abby Phillips, the CNN moderator, that blew this question. And I tweeted it out as soon as I saw it. And the big picture, I posted this on Facebook. Elizabeth Warren, you know, at her instincts, when her instincts kick in, she's just terrible. Right? That woman came up to her. Excuse me. That woman came up to her after a town hall meeting about public schools. Because Elizabeth Warren's all in with the teachers union. And Elizabeth Warren said, my kids went to public school. Her kids didn't go to public school. They went to private school. Uh, when, when her worst instincts, Bernie Sanders goes up to her and extends his hand. And there's the picture that shows the fracture. She wouldn't shake his hand. She wouldn't. Because her instincts are, and as she was going down in flames with a campaign, she d- drags this thing out. And Bernie Sanders, by the way, I can't believe how bad he was on the answer. You know, maybe I give him too much credit because I think a lot of times when he says things, they're authentic. But he had his same talking points. And last night, he kept saying them over and over again. And that is, it's ridiculous that uh, someone would say, I don't think a woman can win since Hillary Clinton, blah, blah, blah. Now, he doesn't say Elizabeth Warren can win. But Bernie Sanders, this was a moment last night. They're like, like, listen, that did not happen. Okay? And it's insulting to me. And you know it didn't happen. And whatever. But instead... It was so, I don't think he's up for the, never mind, I I would never vote for the guy. And I don't think he has the support. I don't think he can win nationwide. But that CNN anchor, basically, they called Bernie Sanders a liar right there on the stage. And that's why the Sanders people are so upset. Let me play this from last night. This is is what we've all been waiting for. And on Twitter last night, people were tweeting, all right, here we go. Finally. The, the, The format of it was boring and dull. It was a, it was just not, it was just, there was nothing there. None of those people. Did you see anyone on that debate stage last night in Iowa that can beat this president? No way, no how. So here it is last night, though. And I blame the moderator for CNN. She didn't get to the bottom of it. It should have been, now listen, one of you is not telling the truth here. Elizabeth Senator Ward, you're saying, he said it. Bernie Sanders, you're saying he didn't say it. So somebody's not telling the truth there. But instead, they treat it like Sanders was lying. All right, here it is last night. The most dangerous president in the history of our country. So, Senator Sanders, Senator Sanders, I do want to be clear here. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? He, he, she basically just called him a liar. 
What, what did you think when he said a woman could be pregnant? He just said that he didn't say that. She wasn't even listing. My God, they're so incompetent. How can you be so incompetent on a stage? My God, listen, pay attention. What is wrong with these people? I can't stand it anymore. I thought it was just bad locally. And no one even says anything. But Bernie Sanders is such an idiot. He doesn't say anything. He just said he didn't say it. What did you think when he said he just said he should have said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say that. Why is this going any farther? What is wrong with them? You know, CNN, this is typical. Just so we're clear. And she leaves it unclear. My God, they're incompetent. Terrible. You're supposed to be clearing it up. She treats it like he lied. How can you be that stupid? You know, this just goes to show who they select and why they select the people. And the most important goddamn thing is diversity instead of getting the best people for the job. And this is what you get. Absolute amateur hour. In the history of our country. So, Senator Sanders, Senator Sanders, I do want to be clear. Here. I want to be clear. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you a woman could not he win the election? He just said he didn't say it. What's the matter with you? I disagreed. Bernie is my friend, and I am not here to try to fight with Bernie. But look, this question about whether or not a woman can be president has been raised, and it's time for us to attack it head on. Um, and I think the best way to talk about who can win is by looking at people's winning record. So, can a woman beat Donald Trump? Look at the men on this stage. Collectively, they have lost 10 elections. The only people on this stage who have won every single election that they've been in are the women. Amy, so, and me. That's not what we're talking about. You know, but he's an idiot, though. I don't feel bad for Bernie Sanders. I don't. Because he let that happen. He let that happen. And then even when they went back to him, he said the same talking point. Hillary Clinton won by three million. We already heard that. He just kept saying the same thing over and over. You know, I'm starting to realize he, he's like, you know, as much as they say like Greta Thunberg, right? She just repeats things. Bernie Sanders basically does the same thing. That was a moment, and again, maybe you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, and I think I actually, I give him too much credit, because I think I had been thinking that when he says things that he actually genuinely believes them, they're not talking points. I don't agree with his beliefs, by the way. I don't believe in socialism. I don't believe in communism, for crying out loud. But I, I thought he was authentic. But last night showed he was incapable of pivoting off those talking points. And the talking points were, he should have said in a timeout, I never said that. You know, somebody was lying there. But then afterwards, there was the photo. And that, that was one of those moments that Elizabeth Warren, her staff wasn't there. They didn't practice what to do, right? If someone comes up to you and he goes to shake your hand, what should you do? What did she do? No one told her. This was something she had to decide on her own. I mean, I think, unless afterwards they said, let's rehearse this. Don't shake his hand. But there it is. And this is the photo. Warren snubs Bernie Sanders post-debate handshake. Now, she may say she regrets it. And this is supposed to be your friend. But, folks, that just goes to show me. It shows me anyway. That when, when she doesn't have her handlers, when she doesn't have her advisors, when it's just her to make the decision... She either lies or she doesn't know what to do. That's Elizabeth. Right there. That sums up Elizabeth Warren to me right there. Sanders, he just felt, okay, afterwards, you got to be a good sport and shake her hand. She didn't have that instinct. I don't think that was rehearsed. Her line was rehearsed. But you know what is amazing? And again, good morning. It's John DePietro. We're going to speak to um, House Minority Leader Blake Flippy, who I thought was good last night. I thought he was good last night. Um... He gave a response, and then uh, at least he got some coverage on it. I think that's the most coverage I've seen in a while. So, but we're going to talk to him. He's one of the good guys up there. He is certainly trying. But what what amazed me last night watching this, this ridiculous, and then I just gave up. I couldn't even watch it anymore. I, I couldn't watch it. It was just boring. And I think last night also it resonated 
for the people of the Democrat Party that actually want to be objective, that they recognize that these people are not going to defeat the president. And this impeachment charade is going nowhere. And, you know, I think it was best last night. Now, Van Jones, right, huge progressive commentator on CNN. So Anderson Cooper, they have the big panel afterwards. And Van Jones said the following. And we are back here in Des Moines, Iowa, talking about the debate that uh, the debate that was Van. Was it? Different than you, it was much different than you expected. I, I, I have to just say, you know, I, I came away feeling worried for the Democratic Party. I felt like tonight was a night that I, they were going to all put the fireworks out there. You're going to see the best of the best, and it just felt like a big bowl of cold oatmeal. And we are back. And it was, it was boring. There was no one motivated. Nope. There's no one motivated. And it's a lot of the the same. And it, it's there was no breakout in any way. Zero. And no one uh, reiterated the fact. No one reiterated exactly. um, I don't think anyone stepped up and said, we're not going to, you know, had any type of game changer. And I'm not saying that a lot of times that can happen in debate. Many times they say that things are, it's more of a chance, you, you have a better chance to lose a debate than win a debate. But last night, oh, my goodness, as far as between the debate last night in Iowa and then Raimondo in fantasy land last night, absolute fantasy land, Van Jones, there was nothing I saw that would be able to take out Donald Trump. At least he was being honest. But I I think that thing with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, never Warren is trending. And that Tom Steyer, enough with the plaid tie. You know, I had one of those when I went to St. Paul's school. You know, I thought this. NBC um, 10, NBC 10 Boston is reporting that um, Tom and Giselle do not have a house in Connecticut. And that rocketed yesterday. Back in November, they had purchased a home. Mentioned again, they moved in. There's no house in Connecticut. More, more wrong info from EEI. No wonder the Sports Hub is crushing them. And they all ran with it. Uh, I, I don't know about the other stuff. My goodness. I didn't think so. All right. Well, listen. Last night, as I said, as much as we had Governor Raimondo, and I, I thought for someone, her whole administration to me now is spin. She still has all these different ideas. She realizes that should things, you know, her administration term come to an end, that she really hasn't come up with anything or done anything tremendous. She tries to spin that the state is on the right track and everything else. But when a big campaign promise and a big platform is you want to have renovate bathrooms at the beaches, I, I don't call that, you know, moving ahead, more free tuition, more moving minimum wage and all this other stuff. I, I just don't, I don't see it. So, but instead, someone who did speak up last night, and he is the House Minority Leader, and he is a fresh voice, and I think he is the voice of reason. We want to say good morning to uh, Representative House Minority Leader Blake Filippi. Good morning, Rep Filippi. Hey, good morning, John. Thanks for having me on. Congratulations. You did a great job last night. Uh, you are more in tune with what some of the problems are that people are facing. I think you're dealing in reality, and I think uh, you're... reaction to the governor's speech was was spot on and i wanted to give you a chance to highlight for those that didn't hear you and and talk a little bit about what's what you think should be some of the priorities moving forward yeah thank you very much john uh i'll I'll go through the number one priority is education uh we can't expect parents in providence who have their kids going to fail in school districts to wait five to ten years for an uncertain turnaround 
uh, with the state takeover. The state took over Central Falls 28 years ago, and it's still one of the lowest performing school districts. So we want to give parents in Providence the same choices that rich people in uh, Providence have, um, including you know our governor and our secretary of state who send their kids to private school even though they live in Providence. We want to give parents in Providence the choice to send their kids out of district and take the money with them. Um, we think that's the most critical issue right now. Uh, we're losing a generation of, of students and future Rhode Islanders. You know, Rep, um, as Governor Mundo was saying last night and was talking about, you know, we owe it to our students and public education and so forth. To me, that, that just falls and rings hollow because if, if this was, if a priority for her was to truly improve public school education, she never would have signed into law, which is now being challenged. She never would have signed into law the evergreen forever contract provision, which makes it that much harder to try to undo and deal with all these public sector unions, specifically the teachers' contracts. Right on, right on. And her, her plan was, as she announced last night, was we're going to throw $30 million more million at the problem. And we already have some of the highest per-pupil costs in the country. So I, I don't know why we're going to throw more money at the problem. Let's empower parents to make the decisions for their children. Because government's not doing a good job, and, and frankly, I'd be concerned about them doing a good job going forward, given their track record. But so let's create some competition among Yes. It, competition makes everything in our lives, everything in our lives, better, cheaper, and faster. Why would we not give parents in failing school districts the ability to have a little competition to benefit their children? So what you're proposing is, let's just say someone lives in Providence, and... They uh, can't get into classical high school or the middle school, um, a middle school, and they're stuck. They have to go to Gilbert Stewart or they have to go to Hope High School. They, they apply for the lottery. They don't get it in a charter school. You're proposing that they be allowed to pick any school in the state to go to or maybe how, how exactly would it work? Yeah, so I, it would have to be set up almost like our CTE program is now, and that's where someone can go to a different school district if the, a program is offered there which isn't currently offered in their district. It would have to be zones, right? Like someone who lives in Providence can't demand to go to Westerly High School because the transportation costs would be too great. We're probably going to set it up to, with ca- counties or combined counties or mimic the zones that are currently going on with our CTE programs. And they'd be able to go, let's say, to East Greenwich or Warwick. I mean, Warwick has 3,000 extra seats right now. They just started a high school. It, it would be maybe in Warwick's financial interest to open that back up to receive Providence students and their money. Now, uh, I believe, is this your proposal on this? Is this based on another state doing it? Because I, I believe, um, I think Massachusetts, they have that uh, provision for certain students that fall under that umbrella. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many different types of choice programs. You know, some states do pure school choice, even if you're not in a failing district. You know, we know that we'd probably never be able to get something like that in this state. So we really want to empower the parents in failing school districts to, to have this choice. So I think I think in Massachusetts there's something similar, but I, the exact terms would be unique here. And it would be unique here because we're also couple, coupling it with a new tax on the, endow, uh, the large endowments of universities that aren't paying any property taxes right now. So it's going to have to be specific to Rhode Island, but there's a lot of different types of programs around the country that deal with these issues that would be similar. I think you're right. I think Massachusetts, I believe, I could be wrong, I think they have the METCO program. So if you have a child, let's just say, pure example, but they live in Roxbury, uh, they could qualify. And then you'd see the kids out early in the morning getting buses to go to Lexington or go to Concord or whatever, a school in the suburb that they choose. Uh, Blake Filippi, and folks, again, we're speaking with House Minority Leader um, Blake Filippi. Rep Filippi, last night, I think also... You raise a good point, and I don't think this is highlighted enough, but it wasn't lost on me. The governor last night, Governor Gina Raimondo, did not address the fact that just going in right now, if everything goes the way it should, there's a $200 million deficit. And right next door, you're not talking about a state 1,000 miles away. You're not talking about another state, another part of the country. Right next door, Massachusetts billion surplus. There is something fundamentally broken. The two states side by side, 
that should basically both be enjoying both economic and governmental success. One has a $200 million deficit. The other has a $1 billion surplus. Yeah, and check it out. This is happening during one of the greatest economic expansions our country has seen. So we're having this type of deficit when things are booming around the country. Imagine if there's a slowdown. Our, our four biggest sources of revenues will all slow down when there's an economic recession or pullback. Income taxes, sales taxes, corporate taxes, and casino taxes. That's the mother's milk of our state budget. All of those will take a hit during a recession. I can only imagine how much pain we're going to face if there is a recession in the state because we're setting up a system that we can't even fund government during the boom. You know, that's an excellent point, uh, folks. And again, we're speaking with Representative Blake Flippy. Obviously, Governor Rondo last night did not credit uh, the Trump administration for anything. Um, as far as, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that everything just falls on Rhode Island with employment. A lot of it also falls into um, just the, the nature of the fact of being next door to, to Massachusetts. But Rep. Filippi, th- this business that now the governor wants to put money into affordable housing, um, l- let, me, let me guess, uh, organized labor, that the unions, that they, they would get the contract to build all these state-built affordable housing uh, to me, this, this again, these things, that none of them are free. And so who, who's going to pay for all this affordable housing to be built in the first place? I mean, she wants to take out, my understanding is, bonding to, to fund or subsidize more affordable housing. And I don't think that's necessary. It, it, it's interesting, John. Right now, we have something called the comprehensive permit law in this state, which is if your town is not at 10%, 10% affordable housing, and the vast majority of towns are not at 10%. A for-profit developer can come in and build dense developments as long as there's 20% affordability. 20% of the units are affordable. This is in every town. Burville, Situate, Charlestown. All over the state, there is right now the legal ability to build dense developments. But the problem is, no one wants to invest their money in this state because we don't, haven't fixed the fundamentals of our economy. If we were to fix the fundamentals of our economy, these people would, the private marketplace would invest because you have pent up demand. So the law of supply and demand, like there will be a supply to meet the demand unless the economics of the state prevent people from investing their capital. So they want to like put a bandaid on the problem and subsidize these developers because what they're not doing is fixing the underlying issues. They're, they're not fixing the disease, they're trying to deal with the symptom. And the symptom is people not wanting to invest capital. You fix the underlying fundamentals of our economy, the disease, and everything will work itself out in the private marketplace. But, you know, they want to have more government, more taxpayer money, more more welfare to insiders through this bonding and taxpayer funding of, of affordable housing. You know, one of the things, um, and, and also you mentioned the fact that she is slow to kind of slow to the late to the, the game on this. Um, but to me, the, the line item veto, uh, Rep. Filippi, I, I mean, to me, it's 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 Mattiello and Ruggiero. They they have a truce and an agreement that the speaker views that 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 takes away a lot of his juice and power. And so, as much as you know, it would certainly make sense. Massachusetts has it. A lot of other states have it. I think Rhode Island's one of only. I think it's around twenty states that still have or don't have line item veto. It could be even less than that. Six. 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 Okay, so six states. Six it's states. even much less than I thought. Um, but to me, that it, it doesn't seem to even be a uh, any type of, of starter with with the speaker. It seems Speaker Mattiello he views that 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 is that's his power. If 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 there's line item veto, then it takes away his power, and something very dramatic would have to happen in order to get line item veto through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I understand his arguments of not delegating more authority to the executive branch. I don't agree with it. But I understand his argument. I don't agree. We need line item veto. There's two ways to get line item veto. It's You have to have a constitutional amendment. Constitution can be amended two ways. One, the legislature passes a resolution to put the question on the ballot. Or every 10 years, the next chance is in 2014, it's put on the ballot a question to the people to form a constitutional convention to revise our constitution. Unfortunately, I think under the current framework, we're going to have to wait till 2024 unless something happens, unless there's a massive push from the public for this issue. But uh, I think 
we really do need to have a constitutional convention to get this through. Folks, uh, we're speaking with Representative Blake Philippi's the House Minority Leader. Now, Rep, as you're talking about, obviously, and, and the, the public education system to me in the state, it is it, it is a failure. And I don't see anyone turning it around. It's as much as the, you know, the governor mentioned Providence last night, and everyone's aware of the John Hopkins report and that there's going to be a state takeover. But, you know, let's let's be accurate here. Nothing has changed within within Providence. But what is your thought on, it was Monday's Providence Journal uh, front page above the fold that the Central Falls District, as new students pour in, Central Falls seeks funds. They're saying that they have 400 new students. Again, 400 new students have enrolled since last spring. And here is the Providence Journal. 400 new students, many of them from Guatemala, have arrived here since last spring. Now, the state pays for the Central Falls School District, Rep. Filippi. What do you say to someone listening right now? Why should we give Central Falls an extra $1 million basically to educate 400 kids that arrived here? And I'm going to jump to the conclusion illegally from Guatemala. I mean, but, but here's the thing, John. Like, what's the alternative? You know, what, if you want to talk about our sanctuary state status, maybe we shouldn't have policies that encourage people to come here. That's a different conversation. But if, they're, if kids are here, my opinion is let's get them speaking English and turn it into lifelong learners. We can have a different conversation about the, 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 the things that brought them here, but they're here. I don't know how we don't make sure these kids know how to speak English and learn. I, we, might, we might part ways on that. Okay, well, but but here's the thing. I, I'm going to jump off on your education proposal is wh- why is it the kids in Central Falls where the schools are apparently budging at the seams, why not introduce either charter schools or why not start with children in Central Falls, they start off that they have the right to go to school out of district, so we're not just pouring more money into into Central Falls when we have other districts that obviously have vacancies. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is part of our proposal. Our proposal, there's really two prongs to it, if you remember, John. The first is the school choice when you're in a family school district. The second one is language academies. I don't understand how anyone can advance through school if they're not proficient in English. I think that everyone should be getting language uh, English assessment tests, and if they can't speak English, they, they get pulled out of school, they go to a language academy, they learn English, and then they go back to their school. Now, under our program of school choice, because Central Falls is a failing school district, those parents, once their kids have learned how to speak English in our language academies, would have the choice to send their children out of district. Is your question, should the state say, no, we're not going to fund more when we have vacancies in other districts, we're actually going to force your students out of district? Yes. Because there, there, there may be merit to that. I haven't thought of that. There may be merit to that because, you know, if there's vacancies some places, we shouldn't be adding to a bus you know, a bustling school system can't handle the capacity. Be cheaper I, I than cheaper than one million dollars. I mean, that just seems to be just money down a <laughs> hole. And and if they are in fact have classrooms with thirty eight students, and then we have a, a caller that calls in uh, teachers in Central Falls. If you're in Central Falls, you're a teacher. If you're more than thirty two children in a classroom, you start to get time and a half. The whole thing. Just the costs just become exuberant. I, I, I understand that the problem is not going to be solved if you try to say you, you can't go to the school. But I don't re- I, I think that would be a good test case of sending the kids out of district to get that going. Let me also just ask you, what was your reaction? And, you know, obviously you had a tragedy down in the district you, you cover, which is, I believe, you have Block Island and part of Westerly. But the, the tragedy that happened in December in, in Westerly. But now as a result of that... The governor's going to push for a comprehensive package of gun reforms. Uh, Representative Philippi, I, I don't view Rhode Island, we, we don't have a, a gun problem. I'm not saying that there aren't isolated incidents, um, but that, that was an extreme example that they seem to want to use that to try to push an agenda that just, it doesn't fit. I understand nationwide and certain states have that type of situation. I, I don't regard Rhode Island as a state right now, thank God, that we have some kind of gun violence problem. Two points, John. First is I believe we have the second lowest firearms homicide rate in the country. Yep. So we don't have a crisis. My second point is the the lady who was murdered was one of my friends, Julie Cardinal. Mm. She's been a friend for six years, was a supporter of mine, someone who I would see monthly. 
and I knew Julie well, and I, I would I would venture to say that I don't think she would want her name being used for gun control laws that have nothing to do with the situation that affected her. That's right. I think she, I, she was a, she was a straight shooter, a no BS girl, and I, I find it frankly a little a little insulting that you know she's being used, trumpeted out as the reason to let's say get rid of long rifles or large capacity magazines. They had nothing to do with the situation that she was involved in. That, no. that, that fell upon her. You know, we have laws on the books that require gun stores to notify the state police or the police officer where the, the individual seeking to buy the firearm is. If that law hasn't been complied with, you know, that's something that we have to talk about. But the, the way to fix this was to have the Westerly police chief notified. We already have a law that requires that. Yep. We have to tighten up that law. We'll do it. But if don't start trumpeting out this tragedy to take away this fundamental right. And I think it's kind of ironic, John, that many of these same people who are saying give up your firearms are the same ones who are saying we have a fascist pres- president. You can't reconcile the positions. If you think there's a fascist government in Washington, which there isn't, but if you think that, you cannot in the same breath then say the people should be disarmed. Boy, that is that is an excellent point. And also, I would point out, you know, there was that tragedy, and it was uh, at Christmas time. And I'm sorry, I didn't know that she, you knew her and was a supporter. We also had a, a tragedy locally, and that was on Christmas Day, a woman that used to write for the Providence Journal uh, was obviously mentally distressed, and she took two young children, four years old and 15 months, and you probably read about it. She went to the top of the parking garage at Northeastern University, and first she pushed both her children off, then she took her own life. That's three deaths, and that is something that obviously needs to be addressed and more, you know, mental illness. But when I saw the um, the tragedy in Westerly as far as the, the woman that lost her life because of the man that he shot her and then took his own life, immediately some of the progressive reps uh, were online and talking about, see, now we need comprehensive gun reform. And I would argue that we don't. Um, Rep. Filippi, before I let you go, anything else that stands out to you? Um, I find that people, they just don't feel the state is working effectively for them. And I agree with you. There's something systematically broken that Massachusetts has a $1 billion surplus and the state of Rhode Island right now, Governor Mundo, even though she didn't mention it last night, but a $200 million deficit. Yeah, I, I, two points I want to make. One, one is large and one is kind of small, which illustrates, I think, the larger problem. The, the larger point I want to make is that Everything we do up right now is on the Internet. It's changed everything in the past 10 to 15 years. I think we need an audit of state government to see where we can use technology to shrink the size and scope of our state government. Everything you can do on the Internet. But we really haven't shrunk our state workforce in the past 10 to 15 years. No, it's the so highest no, I think it's ever been. No, and Listen, so same employees do a good job. I'm not begrudging them at all. There's some that work, but they go above and beyond. But here's the issue. No one has a right to their jobs. The government's primary focus must be to the taxpayers and taking as little as money out of their pockets to fund core government functions. We need to look at our state workforce. Is there a way to downsize? And if there is, we will retrain these people, find them other jobs, either in government or in the private sector. But many times we in state government say, oh, you can't eliminate government jobs. But you can because our primary obligation is to the taxpayer. The second point I want to make, which is illustrative of our financial problems, is the proposal to have a once-in-a-generation investment in our, in our beaches. Great idea. We should have the nicest, most modern, beautiful beaches where the ocean stays. Here's the problem. Is that our beaches taking enough money to have everything through parking and concessions? Millions of dollars a year. But what we do is all that money goes into the general fund, and no money goes back into maintaining our beaches. So we want to, what, take out more debt to now fix our beaches when the beaches make enough money to be fixed anyways? We just siphon the money out and put it in the general fund? We're not managing government right. We have to be more diligent. And the beaches is just a small example, which is repeated thousands of times throughout state government. Folks, he is the uh, House Minority Leader, Blake Filippi, Representative Blake Filippi. Rep, great job. Uh, you're very impressive. I thought your remarks were right on the money, very smoothly delivered. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year. The people are counting on you. So uh, we will talk to you again. 
Thank you, John. Take care. All right, folks, there it is. Representative Blake Filippi. I want to mention uh, President Trump right now as we speak. Good morning. Ready to sign phase one of the China trade deal. What you should understand is despite all this nonsense last night with Governor Mundo at the State House, would not even acknowledge that it's basically President Trump is why the state even continues to be above water. You had that embarrassment, team impeachment, uh, the, the embarrassment last night in Iowa. None of those individuals are going to beat this president. And now the president signing phase one of our China deal. So uh, things are looking very, very promising for President Trump. Now, coming up at noon, we will talk to um, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Hey, I want to remind you, remember what we say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 7096, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. Repairs on all makes and models of appliances. All work is guaranteed for 90 days, parts and labor. Senior citizens discount is available. Call Ryan. You have an appliance that's not working properly? Let's get it fixed. Ryan told me that many times when he goes into a home, there's three or four appliances that are not working. People just say, oh, well, the dishwasher's not working. Get it fixed. The oven's not working. Uh, the, the washing machine or the dryer called Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096, A lot more ahead on the John DePietro Show. Do you own and operate a small business and you're relying on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is a perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. Now, folks, remember, the best tickets are available to you. That's right. Whatever the event may be, and that is through Immortal Seats. Call them today, 888-933-SEAT, 888-933-SEAT. Call Michael at Immortal Seats. He has an office right in North Providence, right on Smith Street. Immortal Seats, 888-933-7328. Check them out on Facebook, Immortal Seats. How would you like tickets to the Bruins? Or the Celtics, some of the big shows coming to the area next summer. Download their free app. I'm holding it up, the address right on Facebook Live. Immortal Seats. Download the free app, even if you just want to look at some of the shows that are available. And then type in promo code 30OFF, 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 and you get $30 off your first purchase with the app. You want to go see the Bruins. You want to see the Celtics. Whatever the event is, Immortal Seats has your tickets. Folks, download the free app and then type in promo code 30OFF. It's 30 off with Immortal Seats. At Paul Massey Chevrolet, you get the lowest price guaranteed every day on our exciting lineup of Chevrolets. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price guaranteed. And it's only at Paul Massey, Rhode Island's number one Chevrolet dealer. Lease a 2020 Equinox LS front-wheel drive for only $179 a month for 39 months with $29.88 due at signing. Great selection, top-notch service, and the lowest one price, only at Paul Massey. If you are ever in an accident, it can happen. You're riding along, all of a sudden, boom, someone hits you. It can happen. What should you do? First of all, call 911. Fill out a police report. Secondly, call West Fountain Auto Body. Kenny, Patricia, they'll repair your vehicle. West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340. 272-3340. West Fountain Auto Body. Located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They will repair your vehicle. They're going to work for you, not the insurance company. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 272-3340. Located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Did someone hit your car? or maybe someone you work with or a family member, let's get it fixed. Call West Fountain, and they'll handle everything for you. Kenny, Patricia, West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340, 272-3340 for West Fountain Auto Body.
You are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. All right, folks, and we're back on this Wednesday. Good morning, one and all. Good morning to everybody on FB Live, Facebook Live. It's a happening. You can uh, join the conversation and uh, interact with others. There's Brizo. There's our friend Pat Cordalesa. Uh Sherry Pelosi took monies uh, by impeachment. Disgraceful. That's true. I, it's just not going to go anywhere. But last night, I, I just thought um, it, it, it's just so old. It's just it's so over. And the standing ovations last night in Ramundo. She's not even living in reality. I just, I tried, you know, it, last night was a tough night for me watching. Uh, first, the Ramundo, Governor Ramundo, state of the state. And she's not even truthful. She's not even honest. Listen, this is supposed to be, let me explain something. This is supposed to be the game plan. This is supposed to be an accurate assessment of where we've been and where we're going and what the priorities are. And I still don't hear it. But you know what else? It's never happening. Because Governor Gina Raimondo, who came in with pension reform and got everyone's attention, myself included. I don't know how else you describe it as she has been a complete disappointment as governor. And what happened was to make sure that she got reelected, she made certain campaign promises that it completely have eroded any possibility of true reform and moving the state in the right direction. You know, as I said last night, for her to even talk, hola, Ryan, for her to talk about education and these kids, if she cared, I repeat, if she cared, she honestly cared, number one, she would have sent her children, who were there last night, Tommy and Cece, their beautiful children, would have sent them to the Providence Public Schools and said, you know what, I'm vested, I'm a parent, we're going to improve these schools. But more importantly, she never would have signed that forever contract provision. There's no way to get around it. The Providence schools were a disaster last spring. Nothing has changed and nothing is going to change. That's the sad part about it. All right, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe is going to join me to start off. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to break for the 12 o'clock news. President Trump signs phase one of China trade deal. Folks, everything is looking positive if you are a fan of this president. Uh, stay with us. So we have an expert on Iran that's going to join me at one plus more of your phone calls. 766-1380. Stay tuned. 12 o'clock news. Then Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. WNRI and W236CW Woonsocket. 1380 AM and 95.1 FM.